0: Welcome to the Outward OPC podcast. Outward OPC is a work of the Committee on Home Missions, and it exists to encourage zeal for reaching the lost and to be a tool for the OPC and other Reformed churches to be more effective in reaching people outside the church. You can check out the website at outwardopc.com for articles, videos, and tools to help you and your church be more outward in your ministry. Now on with today's episode. Brad Herzog here for Outward OPC. Today, I have Jay Bennett with me. Jay is the pastor of Neon Reformed Presbyterian Church, an OPC church in Neon, Kentucky. We're glad to have Jay here. You're going to get to know more about Jay and his ministry. But Jay, I thought I'd I'd sort of just jump right in with a, a question. I know that Neon, Kentucky is kind of an interesting place. I know I remember some stories about the founding of the church there and just some unique, interesting challenges. I thought maybe... For people who have never been there, I know people who who have been to Appalachia and know it really well, but for people who haven't been, I thought maybe you could start by just sort of setting the table of what the area of Eastern Kentucky is like and the unique uh, aspects of the church plant, and then we'll kind of we'll dig into some specifics.
1: Sure, yeah. Uh, so um, I've not been here at, at Neon Reformed uh, or in Neon Kentucky f- from the beginning of the church plant. Um, I came in in 2012, and have been here ever since. So almost uh, going on nine and a half years now. The region itself is uh, Appalachia, not Appalachia, as you said, oh, but Appalachia.
0: Very good. I take the That's correction. A tell. If,
1: you, if you come to the region and you say Appalachia, everyone will know you're from the outside. If you say Appalachia, you can at least fool them for about five minutes, but as soon as you begin to, to talk and really, you know, they'll recognize you're an outsider pretty quickly. Being um, uh, Appalachia uh, proper, it's historically been a, a very, I guess, isolated region. I think that's changed a lot in the last uh, twenty years since the church plant's been here with better infrastructure, better roads, these sorts of things. And and then also with the internet and you know, the fact that everyone's got an iPhone in their pocket now. I mean, everyone in Appalachia has an iPhone, you know, so or something comparable. So everyone's connected and, and I think a lot better than they used to be. But, uh, this was a coal mining region that was the major, uh, major economic driver for decades. Maybe even you might even go back a whole century. Uh, and it was the major economic driver for the area. It kind of hit hard times and, um, and it's been in decline ever since. And the region really doesn't, I think, doesn't know or hasn't figured out how to, um, how to move on from, from that dependence on, on the coal economy. So, so that, that, creates a, a bit of a, a difficulty for any church in the area, not just a reformed church but any church in the area because uh, you know the, the area is uh, obviously um, economically depressed at least relatively speaking if you compare it to you know uh, other regions in the country, we're probably down at the bottom uh, when it comes to median income and things like that you know those kinds of stats. So that makes it a little difficult. Uh, to minister here uh, in, in some ways. In other ways, it provides even more opportunity to minister. That's one way it's different, I suppose. Another way it's different is you know, I guess uh, most uh, Presbyterian folk will know that the problem of modernism uh, or liberalism in the mainline Presbyterian churches and how the OPC was formed or how the PCA was formed in the South, those sorts of things. There, there never really were any PCA or OPC churches in this particular area. Uh, so if you if you put a pin in Neon Reformed and, and then move out, uh, at least in Kentucky, now once you cross over into Virginia, you can find a few PCA churches. But if you stay in Kentucky and move out you know, in a radius from here, you'd have to go all the way to Lexington to find a PCA church. There, there's just nothing in eastern Kentucky that's even close to approaching a Reformed church. Uh, work and it's and they've not been here that's a challenge as well that, that the region really for generations you know has not had a reform witness in the area at all Church plant was a core group that formed in the late 90s uh, there, there were s- several families that have moved to the region from uh, Michigan from Pennsylvania and uh, other places and they came from various backgrounds. Some came from Mennonite backgrounds. Some came from uh, Roman Catholic background. They began to look for a church in the area where go and be fed and be a part of the body of Christ, and um, just had trouble finding s- something suitable. And, and they began to meet on their own just for Bible study. Over time, as they studied Scripture, uh, somehow or another, they got connected with Ligonier Ministries, and it, it, it was it was almost like they went on went on to the internet and just kind of searched for you know, what resources or whatever, Uh, we want to study the Bible well, and they found Ligonier somehow. And they didn't even know they were Reformed. But as they started looking into Ligonier's uh, materials, they they realized, I guess we're Reformed. But we just thought we believe the Bible. This is one of my favorite stories. You know, it's like, we just study the Bible and we we don't even know what that means historically, but then eventually we bump into church history and the traditions and we realize, oh, that means we're Reformed. So they gather together and, and uh, they, they begin to think, well, maybe there could be a church plant here you know, in the Letcher County area. And then they found the OPC, the uh, the, the OPC church down in Chilhowee, which is the closest OPC church to us, Chilhowee, Virginia. It's about an hour and 45 minutes from us. And so uh, the church met for the first time April 1st, 2000. So, so we've been here for... 21 years
0: now, so that's yeah. interesting. Um, so when you come into the picture in 2012, having been there uh-huh. a while, you you know you take this dynamic of kind of the challenges and uniqueness of the region. You're the only Reformed church anywhere in the area, how do you go about, I mean, you're not, you may find other people who are just, like you said, studying the Bible and are Reformed, but, you know, there aren't people knocking on your door, I would assume, saying, hey, we've been looking for a Reformed church. So how do you you approach that balance of, you know, kind of going out and finding the people who are already Christians and might be Reformed, but also taking the reformed truth mm-hmm. to people who just wonder why they're even living life or yeah, are they exactly. going to get through this marriage or, uh, you know, I don't want to stereotype, but drug issues or this or that, the, the, the things sure. that come in that region, how do you how do you balance yeah. that dynamic of reformed people or Christian people and, and taking yeah. the reformed out?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. Well, we you know, I came in and the church had been here for a while and it had been well served by um, Reverend John Belden uh, he was the first pastor called to serve the work as an evangelist within our presbytery. John served the work for six years, and, and it was during the hardest, I think, period of, of the church's formation, of the plant's formation. John and Seth Long, one of the ruling elders here, Doug Brink was a ruling elder as well. Uh, they did a lot of that early spade work, going out into the community, knocking on doors, talking to people. You know, John, John, I think, is not only just a gifted minister and gifted preacher. If you've not heard John preach, look him up. He's just wonderful. Uh, John also, I think, is a gifted uh, interpreter of culture. And this is somewhere where I fall short. I'm not good at kind of looking around me and going, "Okay, well, here's how I interpret this and what the people need and this sort of thing. I'm more of I'm a little more formulaic. You know, here's what the Bible says. I mean, you just need to believe it, you know, that kind of thing. John actually, after having that experience of going into people's homes and listening to them, realized that that really there was one prevalent view of what the gospel was in the area, and it was not the gospel. It was a, it was essentially Pelagianism, um, meaning that they 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 reject the the idea of uh, of grace. You know that, that that we're saved by grace. Instead, they would teach that we're saved you know, by what Jesus does, but also by our works, and ultimately it's what we do that determines whether we're saved or not. John saw that, uh, spent, I don't know how long he spent, but he must have spent uh, many months putting together a little booklet Called Natural Man's Religion. That booklet has uh, we we've still got tons of them here. They they purchased a bunch of them. They had them published. Purchased a bunch, and and they've been key in outreach in the area. You know, you can hand them to people and they'll read them and go, "Oh yeah, this is what I was always taught, but I see now that the Bible teaches something other." Uh, so I, I just want to praise John for his work because I when I came in, church had gone through, you know twelve years of history. They had they had a building that's huge for a church plant. They had their own place. They weren't having to rent and put up and take down every Sunday. They had their own place. The core group was really solid, committed to the work. They had even seen some from the community had joined the church and were members of the church. So I inherited all that uh, from John and, and from the, the other you know folks that were a part of the group from the beginning. When I first got here, though, the group was still majority was outsiders. It was mostly made up of people that had moved to the area from the outside. I think it was maybe two to three years after I arrived that we finally turned the corner and the majority of the people that were in the work as members were actually from the area. And that was a big moment. You know, I was I, that was something I kind of thought along the way, we're going to have to cross that threshold at some point. And the Lord, the Lord did that pretty quickly. You know, wh- one thing that happened uh, early on when I got here, maybe a uh, year after I got here, is I got a call from a, a gentleman named Richard Bowers. Uh, just a, a dear man, a, a godly man, a dear man. And and um, he was working as a choir director over at a, a local college about 30 minutes from us. He said, let's grab lunch. I said, great, let's do it. He invited me to come and teach at one of their uh, student ministry uh, sessions. And he had started a student ministry on campus just independently, you know, by himself and really was gifted in gathering people. And I, so I went over and I, I taught and there were about 25, 30 students there. After seeing what was going on, I, that night I went up to Richard, I said, would you be okay if I come every time y'all meet, even if I'm not teaching or anything? I just want to be here. He said, "Sure, come on." I, within about a year, I was teaching, wow. and that that just fell into my lap. And so, honestly, if you ask me what program or what <laughs> what you implement, there there's nothing, man. I I I just uh, I, I'm dumb and, and I'm weak and 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 I you know I just kind of fumble fumble around through life, and God's just really gracious and and drops things drops things into my lap sometimes. And, you know, I think you, you do just have to kind of watch and, and be aware. And, and it would have been really easy for me maybe to go over and be a teacher that one time and then leave and not be invited back for six months, you know. And uh, but I saw what was happening. It was like, this is a this is like low hanging fruit right here. I could I could go here and, and there were already a lot of guys there that were that were Calvinistic because Richard, was Calvinistic and he had already led them down that road of the five points of Calvinism and that sort of thing, you know? And so I thought, well, this is low hanging fruit. I mean, they're just a step away from, from the OPC. So, you know, I'll just go in and just try to love them and, and see what God does, you know? And anyway, so we, we ended up receiving 13 students out of that ministry over the course of uh, about six years wow. on campus, 13 students became
0: members at the church. If I could dig in a little bit on this uh, teaching leading to 13 students, can you just tell us a few stories about maybe fleshing some details? You know, I'm thinking even of young pastors who, you know, have a college nearby Mm -hmm. and are maybe a little bit overwhelmed with what's going on. Can you just flesh out some of the stories of, even if it's just sort of mundane, how, how, how did you develop relationships? How long did it take to develop relationships? You know, you say 13 people came into the church. I'm assuming they didn't all come three weeks later, you know, like, what kind no, of no, what no, kind of patience? Time. What kind of hospitality? What kind of challenges? What kind of work was needed over this period of time to see that fruit? Sure. Yeah. Well, I was probably on campus uh, at least
1: twice a week, sometimes three times a week during that six-year period. Uh, but he started the ministry, and he had a big group meeting on Sunday nights. And it was it was well after our worship service, you know, it was like uh, seven o'clock, a- and then he had a small group meeting, and was he encouraged people, even students that were had become leaders, kind of in the group, to have small group meetings throughout the week, you know, at some point. And so, first time I came and and sat in on a uh, taught at that big group meeting, that was when I asked Richard, "Can I come every time y'all meet?" And so, I think maybe the next week I, I came and and. Someone else was teaching, but I was just there, you know. And so I showed him. I I really meant this. I'm really going to be here. And then I found out when the small group meeting was, so I came to his small group meeting. But I I didn't want to encroach on that particular time because that's him with his group, you know. And and so I asked him not long after that, you know, what do you think about me doing a small group? And and uh, by that time, I'd already gotten to know a lot of the young men that were part of the group and some of the young women as well. And And uh, I don't know, how do you get to know people? I mean, you just, you just talk to them and, you know, um, try to love them and, and try to challenge them too. I mean, because, and it was amazing. I mean, some of these young men were just so teachable, you know, you, they, they were hungry for, for the word of God. And, and Richard had presented in presenting the doctrines of grace to them, the five points of Calvinism, he had presented something to them. They'd never heard in their lives. You know, they come, they had all come out of, they had all been churched. You know, none, none of them were, none of them were new converts. But coming around on those doctrines, they—I kind of—I th- I think they were like reinvigorated. They almost—they felt like new converts. So there was a ton of questions that came my way, and and um, so it it just really felt quite natural. I mean, we we did that. We invited people to come to worship uh, at Neon, and, and uh, every once in a while we might get a student or two to come. This eventually we had a, a group of students that were coming over fairly regularly, and I was doing a bible study on campus doing some campus evangelism with some of the students as well and then uh, so a small group study campus evangelism and also the big group on sunday evenings it, it, it really was uh, so with some of them with some of them it was just like the first time they heard covenant theology for instance they were like yeah that makes perfect sense how can i become a member and i'm like are you kidding me <laughs> you know so wait just a minute you don't really understand this yet and hey, let's go through this one more time and seriously i mean it was that, it was that simple for others, it was a long kind of drawn out process because, you know, everyone's unique and they're all going through their different, they're, they're all on a different journey. You know, they're going, they have different life experience and all this. And, and it was a, for some, a long drawn out process of kind of coming and flirting with joining and then pulling away. And then, so I'm kind of broken hearted and trying to reach out. Well, what, what's going on? Why? And, um, and then they come back. So they're all, they were all a little different. I'll, I'll mention one in particular and give you a story. So the first student teacher I saw at the big group meeting was a young man named Corey Page, Corey Tyler Page. And um, Corey was, uh, from, from the first moment I met him and talking with Richard about Corey as well, I knew Corey was special. In the sense that Corey, Corey had, a, had a deep sense of call to ministry, was gifted to do it, and coupled with that was an uncommon humility for a man his age, uncommon humility. I mean, this is, I think Corey's probably maybe the most teachable 20-year-old I've ever met in my life, Uh, almost to a fault, but if that's possible. But um, uh, Corey taught, when I watched him and heard him, I, I just, I couldn't help but have a smile come over my face because even though it wasn't all that precise and it was good, it was on the right track. And the way he went about presenting himself was just wonderful, so humble and, and so concerned that the people he's ministering to would get a sense that he loved them and that you know he, he wasn't just just teaching them for the sake of teaching them. He he really wanted them to get it and because he loved them. And um yeah I went up to Corey after that first teaching and I said I said, Corey, I said the first time I was allowed to teach, I, I think I did okay. But I think you probably just did about ten times better than I ever did you know, maybe the first five times I was allowed to teach. And, and um, I said, brother, you're gifted. And obviously, and and you know, I just want to encourage you and say, whatever you need for help, you know, in pursuing a call to ministry, if you continue to believe you're called to ministry, I'm here for you. Just let me know, you know, I, and I don't know what that might mean. I'm not saying you're going to become a member of NEON or anything like that. This was still very early. Well, that, you know, He continued to reach out to me and was very, very receptive of that. And um, uh, it it wasn't long after that that Corey said, well, what would becoming a minister look like in the OPC? And so I went through it with him, you know, all the steps and seminary and all of that you know, which is very different from the world he came out of. And in the world he came out of, if you just say you've got a call, you got a call and you go preach and that's that, you know, you don't, you don't do all that stuff. He said, yeah. He said, you know, that sounds, that sounds like the right thing that, you know, I I like, I like the way that sounds. And it wasn't long after that, that, uh, we were talking and I said, Corey, I said, you know, I don't know what God has for you. I don't know his plan for your life, but let me tell you Jay's perfect plan for Corey's life. (laughs) I said you're going to become a member at Neon Reformed, and and you're you're gonna uh, you're gonna you know come under care of Presbytery. We're going to send you to seminary and hopefully be able to help you with that you know financially, which we were by God's grace. We were able to do that, and Greenville Seminary has a wonderful. A uh, wonderful program for churches our size to be able to help a young man going. I mean, it's just amazing. I, I can't say enough about that program they have going there and 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 the work they do. But, um, and then maybe four years, five years down the line, I finish seminary, then then there's going to be a core group in the area somewhere that's been raised up and it's going to be ready for a minister. <laughs> and uh, so you're going to come be an evangelist, and we're going to be church planners, You know, just down the road from one another, it's going to be great. And all of that's worked out so far, except for that last step. <laughs> so, oh wow. He was just licensed um, he was just licensed by our presbytery at our at our uh, spring meeting, but he's on track to be called uh, to serve as an intern right now at hopefully at a, at a church plant within our presbytery. We'll see where it goes from there. Um, but uh, unfortunately, we don't have a core group yeah. <laughs> ready for it yet up here. But I was already thinking look, I mean, even if we're a church plant, we can still plant. I mean, we can we can get a group together and maybe put a church somewhere else. You know, who
0: knows? That's some significant fruit from that walking on campus yeah, it's, it's, and being it, a part of a big group.
1: It, it's interesting. Uh, as as Corey came into the church and came came along, Seth came to me at one point, Seth Long, our ruling elder, who's been here from the beginning, he and his wife and his family, Cheryl and the kids, from the beginning, he came to me and said, we started April 1st, 2000. He said, I remember in that meeting, as we prayed together as a congregation, we prayed specifically that God would raise up young men from this region to serve as officers within the church, within the OPC. And he said, Corey is the first example of answered, uh, of at least a yes answer to that prayer. And, and it took 20 years for it, to ha- or 21 years for it to happen. It, it, was, it was literally April 2nd. So they, they had that prayer meeting April 1st. Of 2000, it was April 2nd of 2021 when Corey sustained his licensure exams, and um, which is, you know,
0: means he's on track to become an officer, which is wow. wonderful. Yeah, that's just a great story. Great. God's yeah. timing is quite remarkable.
1: 21 years. Yeah. And he it's like, well, you know, what's God is not slow to fulfill his promises, is, yeah. you know, as some kind of slowness. So.
0: so, Jay, thanks for your time today. It's good to hear more about. Uh, the Church in Neon. I know people in the OPC have been praying for the Church in Neon and have followed the story for quite a a lengthy bit of time. So we're grateful for you taking the time and hearing a little bit more about the work. And I think it'll help people uh, know more and pray more. So thanks for your time. It's my pleasure, brother. That's it for today's episode. You can go to the website at outwardopc.com to check out more resources. And you can sign up for our email list where you will receive notifications when new things are available. Until then, we'll see you next episode.